Now that you, you take the case of uh, Castro, that when Castro went in, everybody was applauding Castro. Do you remember that? Yes. Because he seemed to be better than Thanks Batista. Herbert well, but but there's an example uh, that that there are many things that can conceivably be worse than what you've got. And I'm not advocating the status quo. I'm merely saying that don't always assume that because something is bad uh, that what you're going to get has to be better than that. <laughs> Gene, I didn't realize, and coming back to the Ferrari in the bedroom, I didn't realize that you had so much uh, talent in drawing. Has this always been so? I want to show some of those pictures. Well, I'm glad you like them. I, uh, it's funny, uh, at one point in my life, Casper, I, I seriously considered being an, an artist. Uh, in fact, uh, my father was a cartoonist when I was a child, a very small child, and uh, he worked for Midwestern papers. He didn't do comic cartoons. He did political things, working for a larger cartoonist. And from the time I was about two or three, I was taught to draw with pen and ink by my father, the way most kids are taught to read. And by the time I was 10 or 15, I could draw... Uh, as quickly and as rapidly and as accurately as probably anybody in the country with pen and ink. And I never thought that it was unusual. It was only in recent years when I've been doing it. I do a great deal, but I, I've illustrated for the Village Voice. I did some stuff for Doubleday. And uh, it never occurred to me that a lot of people simply can't draw uh, for a long time in my life. Well, let's take a look at some of these. And... This uh, first, would you describe this uh, to our audience? Well, that that drawing was a. Uh, I tried to capture the the curious uh, Rococo uh, sort of neo nostalgic quality of a village coffee shop. That was done uh, at the bar of the Limelight down on Seventh Avenue. You did a program from there once. Didn't you? Yes, I did. But this the the particular drawing is is of their their their. That kind of curious 19th century nostalgia you find in many village coffee shops. I tried to catch it. Notice the line. I just like make one point on that. But I used a special line for that. But the that you'll notice it has two or three thicknesses of line, which which gives it a kind of a, a curious period quality. I tried to get the the period feel that they that they try to reproduce in many village coffee shops. It's it's ersatz, but that's what they try to do. Well, now, the next one that I wanted to show uh, is this one, which is sort of apropos of the set we're on right now. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of, if you'll raise that, that there's a lot of uh, stark sculptural shapes in television. And to me, the, the, the whole idea of these, the, the great bank of lights, which I, I drew one day in a studio over at CBS. And uh, it, it, to me, it's a, it's a kind of a modern... Uh, communication machine, this great bank of lights with all the adjustments and all the various wires and cables. It's a very dramatic, it's more dramatic really to me than most modern sculpture. And that's, I, I, I did this in strict line and uh, pen and ink. You notice the, one of the most difficult things of doing a line drawing of this type, Casper, by the way, is to try to keep the drawing clean. Use no shading, you know. You notice there's no shading there. And yet, you get a sense of depth in each one of those dishes. And uh, that's a, a French style of drawing. Do you uh, find yourself doing this uh, all the time, or are these just the exception that you could do? I draw constantly. Uh, most of these drawings were done on napkins, by the way, in, in restaurants at night. Uh, that's one of my favorite drawings. Uh, that is a, 
is a brownstone, a classical New York brownstone, which is just opposite, I believe it's on 53rd Street, just opposite the Museum of Modern Art. In fact, I was sitting in the museum, the garden of the Museum of Modern Art, looking up at that, the top of that brownstone when I drew this. Uh, that was done with a, uh, with a German pen, a Kohinoor pen, using India ink and a special textured drawing paper. That draw- the original, no, the original of that drawing, by the way, is about four feet by two feet, roughly. It's a, a huge drawing. Here's my here's, favorite. Now, that, that, that is, a, is a kind of a tour de force, really, because one of the things that I do in my drawing is I'm fascinated with the shape and the feel of our cities. And most artists, incidentally, are trained with the live figure, generally, and they have trouble with cityscapes. This is a cityscape, and as you can see, it's the... It's the the fountain, it's the plaza. Over here is the, the old hotel, and uh, it's looking south from Central Park South. I was sitting on a park bench. That drawing took me about, oh, I'd say a good month to draw, uh, working at it maybe three or four hours a day. Uh, and it's all done live. It's not done from any photographs or anything like that. Have you made any, uh, any of these pen and ink sketches into paintings? Yes, uh, I do have uh, several uh, paintings. Uh, Although that's a different technique. I, I, I will often use uh, the uh, pen and ink technique within a painting, but you can't really convert them. They're two different, they're two different mediums. It's like converting a poem into a novel. Different thing. Gene Shepard, what of your TV career lately? Uh, that's, uh, right now, uh, there's a lot of things going on with it. I've, I've had a couple of offers from, from two networks to do a, ver- a version of uh, Gene Shepard's America, which was on PBS, and incidentally, which a lot of the philosophy and the ideas uh, from that show are in Ferrari in the bedroom, as you can tell, reading the book. Uh, and right now, we're, we've got a we've got a big plan up up for uh, public broadcasting, and we're debating uh, whether or not to to carry through with it because they're having problems with funding over there. You know, there's there's all kinds of political things going on. It's uh, pretty tough. Well, they didn't get the <clears throat> maximum amount they asked the Congress for, as I recall. Well, I don't know much about that, you know, the fiscal yeah. things over there. I, I, I know that they were asking for, an, uh, they did get their regular grant, but they were asking for an increase. And that uh, Congress says, well, we'd like to find out where you've been spending the money first before we do that. Uh, what what difference that. would it mean to you in the program that you produce? whether it be on PBS or on a commercial network? Make a big difference. I think uh, one of the advantages of commercial broadcasting is that if your show is successful with the public, you're pretty assured that the show will continue. This doesn't hold true on PBS. But uh, PBS has what they call the project attitude. In other words, if they do uh, a show and and the project is successful, they may just drop it and go on to another project because each project is is funded separately. It's not it's not like a continuing show on on a network. Well, Gene, I never felt, and I've listened to you for years, that your appeal is as <clears throat> let's say across the spectrum as, for instance, Bob Hope. I would think you're a more specialized appeal, which would not result in the overriding numbers. Well, that's not. Uh, that's, that's a hard question to, to, to resolve. I think things are changing. As a matter of fact, today, uh, 
it depends on who you're talking about. Uh, my my appeal is very great among college students. I have I have one of the largest followings in that age group of anybody in, in probably in the humor field as a comic. Uh, I play uh, colleges all over the country. In fact, I've just finished playing uh, the University of Oklahoma. Uh, I played Notre Dame. When you play, what do you mean? You give up on a, a concert? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. A vocal, a talk concert, in other words. Well, I suppose Lenny Bruce was a talk concert yeah. artist. Right. And, uh, what is a comic? Yeah, well, I'm just trying to... <laughs> yeah, I get up, I'm on stage, and, uh, you know, I play... You give your monologue. Well, I, I'm more of an actor. I don't just stand up and yeah. talk to the audience. I play roles and stuff. See, stuff I can't do on radio, really, because radio isn't that visual, but... Uh, I played Carnegie Hall here a couple of months ago. We had a sellout... Uh, a very special kind of show, and I play uh, I play roles of all the characters. In other words, in 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 Ferrari, for example, I play those characters instead of describing them as you have to do in a book or on radio. I actually play them. When I'm talking about a slob, for example, I am a slob on stage. I don't talk about it. I just be one, which is much more dramatic. You know, sitting there with his can of Rheingold, listening to Lindsey Nelson. Hey, Craigslist, come on, move it over there. How many commercials did you do for Ryan Gold, incidentally? Oh, I did all of the ones on the Mets last year. And uh, I like to do commercials. Did you write any of them? Yeah, I did. I, did. I, 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 was, uh, I worked with uh, the writer and the director on all of them, in fact. Most of the commercials that I work on, I write, or at least have a great hand in. I'm doing Alka-Seltzer's now. Oh, well, I, uh, I heard many of them being a Mets fan. I was trying to think of, was it that I recognized you or did it identify you on the Rheingold commercial? I don't know. I'm in no position to say that. I mean, you did, did No, you oh, I never said my name. No, then I recognized your voice. No, I never, I, I never didn't, put my No name. one told me it was Gene Shepard. I knew no, it was. But I what I meant was, you know, do they say, and now Gene Shepard for Rheingold. <laughs> you know, that's a, in a way, that's a compliment, I guess, because I, I do have a distinct style, I'm sure, and, and, uh, and my voice and my, my, my general uh, style, I guess, is, yeah. is identifiable. I've had, I've had letters, a funny letter I got one time from Cesar Romero, the actor, yeah. and uh, he wrote me a letter just out of the blue out of, from Hollywood, and he said, uh, he says, every time I hear you, he says, you have such a distinct style. He said, an absolutely, un you know, unimitable un un style, style. And he said, it makes him laugh the minute he hears it. He says, I can't understand why. And uh, so I suppose style is a matter of attitude and viewpoint. Well, I, I think it was very uh, clever of them not to identify you, because, for instance, you hear these commercials for some kind of film, and they say, this is Henry Fonda from the Film, yeah, I don't know why Henry Fonda has to explain to people who he is. because no, his voice is identifiable. Yeah, uh, it, it just uh, surprises me when you hear somebody with a voice like Roderick Crawford, who's absolutely, you, you know him the instant you hear him. He says, I, I was my sergeant at one point during World War II. He was your sergeant. Yeah. <laughs> like before he became a policeman. <laughs> yeah, but he was the... Is he as tough as he seems? Oh, no, he I don't think so. He's a fine man. Good actor, by the way. What's ever happened to Broad Crawford? I never hear of him anymore. Oh, he's doing all kinds of television series and things. He, for a while, he was one of the, the thousands of TV doctors. Oh, really? Oh, yes. There's a whole phalanx. In fact, you know what I expect to do one day? I'm, in fact, I'm writing a short story about a, 
about a, a, the, the general hospital of TV where, where all the retired doctors of TV go to practice. Vince Edwards, the whole crowd, Richard Chamberlain, uh, they're all there. <laughs> well, maybe they, all, they would have finished medical school by that point. Oh, they don't need to go to... You know, that, that's what I mean. You know, that, that's what's so funny about our time. Do you, do you know that, 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 uh, that Robert Young, who plays Marcus Welby, recently gave the graduating address to a group of doctors graduating from a medical school? You know, difficult cases he's had. Well, let's not recommend that medical school. <laughs> but that's, that's what's happening. In other words, uh, well, it's, it's a common thing to, uh, to, to, uh, to read in the paper that Ephraim Zimbalist, who is that famous crime fighter, uh, has been invited to speak to the graduating class of a police group. He, he, in fact, spoke to the FBI graduating class, which I think is fantastic. It's like getting uh, uh, Lawrence Olivier, because he's such an experienced king, uh, call him in, you know, to give the UN advice on, on the, the, the kingdoms. Or Jerry Page <laughs> or Julie Harris to talk on Lincoln history. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, no, not really, really not to talk on Lincoln history. That they may be able to do because they can study that. Yeah. But it would be like uh, Julie Harris gives a talk to the incoming uh, 1974 first lady on how to be, how to be a really elegant first lady. You know, she's played them, so... And uh, I, I think this this is part of the whole uh, the whole creeping the, the whole creeping reruntism is becoming part of our problem in America. Do you, do you realize today, Casper, right at this minute, there are probably some people still sitting blank-eyed in front of their TV set somewhere way out in the boondocks watching the 337th rerun of an I Love Lucy sequence that was filmed back in the early 1900s. And they're still sitting out there watching it. My God, it's scary. Uh, I <laughs> one comment on that. Why should it scare you if somebody out there has never seen it? Oh, no, that's not the point. They have seen it. Oh, I thought you meant they was finally getting around. Oh, hell no. I'm talking about them sitting there. Or having seen sit, it themselves many times. They'll sit mindlessly and watch the same thing over and over again. In fact, uh... At, at Channel 9, you know, they do a lot of TV stuff. Reruns. Well, they do a lot of reruns. And particularly do their old movies. They thousands of old movies. One of the guys over there told me, he says, you know, that they can play this movie, same movie, like eight times in a month, and the same people watch Well, Gene, can you remember, if you see a movie that you saw 20 years ago, can you remember what happened? No. I'm not a movie fan. No, I'm not a movie fan. I like pool games. Pool games? Pool. Oh, pool. pool. Shooting pool. Yeah. Well, I like to watch them. I don't play. You mean a la Gleason, that's what a pool. Yeah. Hot that. Yeah. I like to watch people play hopscotch. Gene, one last question. You were talking about all this thing. What <laughs> happened to your acting career? Well, I remember uh, reviewing you a couple of times. Yeah, and I did quite well. Yeah, know? not bad. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, acting changed in New York. No, no, it did. No, no. <laughs> I mean, they would hire you or what? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> no, if you're asking a serious question, I am. Yeah. That my agent, Peter Witt. I, I, oh, I, I know Peter Witt. Sure, he's, he's my agent. A lot of people don't realize that 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 the Broadway theater has has become almost the import theater. Practically every major play, yeah, you know, is is an English play that's come in, or it's it's a musical, and very few actors, actors. Remember, I'm talking about men. 
Very few actors can work consistently on Broadway these days. Jason Robards went two years without getting a role on Broadway. So it uh, it, it became a very different theater than it was when I was working in it, which was back in the early 60s when there was a lot of roles for actors. George Siegel is a friend of mine, and George went for almost eight years in this town without getting a role on Broadway. But you're open to offers. Oh, I, I sure, I'm, I love acting, and uh, it was what... It's, it's originally what I am. I came to New York as an actor, you know, Casper. I, uh, I uh, did a lot of... In fact, I came to New York. I did New Faces, you recall. I did uh, uh, did all kinds of Broadway and off-Broadway stuff. But then I began to be so much interested in, in television that, that uh, it kind of took over. Gene, we're out of time. Uh, we've been talking with, about Gene Shepard's The Ferrari in the Bedroom, published by Dodd Mead. Good luck on the book. It's a fantastic book. Yeah. <laughs> Next week at this time, WNYC TV 31 will again present Casper Citroen interviews. Address your cards or letters to WNYC TV 31, New York 1007.